Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesomeo.com NBA strategy show presented by Superdraft. I'm Dave Lockren. With me, Sal Vetri, as always, breaking it down. It's playoffs. It's the postseason inside the bubble in Orlando, Florida. And, well, we've got four games to touch on today, some big ones, a few with a – well, really only one with a, with a pretty big spread. Everything else projected to stay pretty competitive. Sal, we're two days in, starting right now. Yesterday, however, and happy to have everyone with us as always, but you already knew that. Yesterday, man, it's having a good night. Uh, the Christos Porzingis ejection had me so heated. If, if you saw my, if you saw, if you were anywhere near Twitter, you would have. I was so pissed off about this ejection. The first tech was so dumb. Second technical, trying to defend your teammate, you get into a little scuffle. It's the playoffs. Emotions are running hot. Who cares? Let them play. And you kick him out when they're up by five. They end up losing the game by eight. Just a bunch of horse shit, man. I, I thought it really was not good for the product or for the game or for our DFS lineups or for my Mavericks plus six and a half bet. Everything about it was 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 really frustrating. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it, yeah, I had Porzingis in like everything for DFS, like anything that was meaningful. So I don't know. That's probably in just an, an average effort, 20 fantasy points out the window for most people. You said you had the bets on him just for like a competitive series. It looked like at least at that point that the Mavs taking it down to the wire, they weren't going to lose at least by eight if he stays in it. So I guess if you had Luca, uh, you felt pretty good. It allowed him to just keep going offset the record for debut game. But yeah, man, the the actual rule, like they called the rules correct, but there's like an unwritten rule where you're in the playoffs. You just let these people play. And right. I guess at the end of the day, just take it up with like the league office because that air punch rule is, is brutal. I think I was telling you before the show, it happened very recently with Grayson Allen. Like it's happened throughout the season, but like a week ago, not even with Grayson Allen did the same thing actually ended up resulting in some meaningful free throws. So yeah, it's, it's a weird rule. Obviously after that, it's also a very tic-tac, two ticky-tack rules that were probably both called right if you're following the rule book, but you kind of have to throw it out in the playoffs. You got to, yeah, exactly. You have to use discretion. And yep. look at playoff hockey. If you've got a game in the final three minutes, four, even five minutes, you will very seldom see fouls or uh, penalties called unless it's unless it's blatant, right? Unless it's a high stick to the face, you've got blood you know, or or spearing or boarding, stuff like that. 
But if you've got, you know, maybe a little bit of a hook, a little bit of a hole, minor interference call, you're never seeing that get called because the refs don't want to be the ones, or they, at least they shouldn't want to be the ones that influence the outcome of the game. Uh, and in my opinion, that's exactly what happened yesterday. Now, I'm not going on the record to say that they should have, that the Dallas would have definitely won this game. But you know what? I think it wouldn't have been a 10-point game or an 8-point game coming down the stretch if you had Porzingis because this isn't just a team where you've got a ton of bodies that can fill in. And don't worry, we're going to get onto the games in just a moment here. We've got four to touch on. But, Sal, it's a team where both Porzingis and Doncic carry almost the entire weight of that team on their shoulders. Yeah, I mean, after that, you're you're leaving it up to. I mean, you had to get like MKG to come off the bench, who yeah. they've just been reluctant. They've been reluctant to put him in in any type of games, even blowout running games at this point. So yeah, you had to have Kleber, who Kleber was playing really good defense in that entire yeah, he game. Was but playing, you take he on was a whole, playing well. And, and like that's a different part of it. Like once you have, you have to re- rely on guys like Kleber for more offense after that, which then it affects. He's not a great offensive player, and then it affects the other side of the ball where he's playing great defense. So obviously, once Porzingis went out. I think everybody kind of knew where the, the role was going to go. But, yeah, I don't think anybody, unless you want to go ticky-tack by the by the rule book and, and have that argument, I don't think anybody thought the, the calls were, were proper, especially the ejection. I hear you, man. And I'm sure, you know, our viewers right now, many of them were feeling similar pain to us. So, you know what? Sometimes it's just good to air the, you know, air that dirty laundry, get it out of there, so then we can move on and put it in the rearview mirror. But uh, yeah, there, there's no doubt that it was frustrating for a ton of us. When I tweeted about it, I, I can't tell you how many people were like, yep, 50% of my lineups, 30% of my lineups. I'm sitting in first place in a tournament right now. I have poor Zingas, and now I'm done. So, you know, it is what it is. D, is it D Freshness? D Freshness with the $15 Super Chat. Appreciate you, man. He said, binked. The $40 and the $12 tourneys. Thanks to all you fellas do for all you fellas do on this show. Well, man, first of all, huge congrats. That's awesome. Someone didn't have Porzingis in those lineups. Second of all, thanks a lot for the super chat. Greatly appreciate you, man. Thanks for watching. Thanks for supporting. And hey, guys, hit that thumbs up if you're just walking in the door. Uh, it helps us out immensely. Uh, to keep getting this to more viewers so we can, you know, grow and expand this product, continue to do more and keep giving you more free content here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe and notification bell as well. So you always know when new content's dropping next. Sal, you ready to do this? Let's do it. All right. So we'll try not to go an hour and a half. I think we, I think we can pull it off. So Milwaukee and Orlando, Milwaukee Bucks, 12 and a half point favorites here. Everything's on a neutral floor, so we don't even have to talk home away. We don't really have to talk about much in this one in terms of, you know, how much that affects a team because Milwaukee's favored by 12 and a half. You get a 225 total on this game. So let's start with the let's start with the the quote unquote home team in the Milwaukee Bucks, because I think there's going to be a lot to digest on both sides of this game. I was looking last year at what Budenholzer did with with the Bucks in that first round against uh, in that quarterfinals round against the Detroit Pistons where they just shit on him in four straight games. And Giannis's minutes were very much limited in a lot of them. It's not something I'm too concerned about. But what I will say is the Milwaukee Bucks came out, swept the Pistons, and they won by a mar- an average margin of victory was 24 points in a playoff series. Now, Sal, I'm not saying I think that's going to be the same case here, but I will say – Orlando had the fifth worst three-point shooting percentage on the season. 
They attempted the the 10th fewest uh, three-pointers on the year. They're going to need guys like Terrence Ross to come alive. They're going to need three-point shooting against a fast-paced Milwaukee team that forces you into those type of shots at a very high clip. But as as far as Milwaukee goes here, do you see Budenholzer – well, I guess, do you see this game staying competitive? And I know that's a really difficult question to ask, but as far as your view on how they they match up with each other, is this a spot where you could see Orlando maybe, you know, contending a little bit to keep it competitive at, to, at the least? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say no, like right now. But we saw even yesterday, like you saw a Nets game that started to blow out, and it was just like the last three or four minutes that starters really didn't get any run from the Nets, mainly like LeVert and Allen. So they were able to get there, LeVert in that case. So a lot of the times it's really hard to just even see if that's really going to impact it. But, yeah, this is a team that normally is taking their starters off. You saw how cautious they were in three games in just the playing games, not having their starters play the second half of games, whether it was Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe. So there's definitely a concern for that, especially when you're getting into the slate and really trying to decide between a Harden and a Giannis who look very similar today in terms of plays on the slate. I think there's a concern. I don't think the games stay close. I'm sure one or two of them will be relatively close, but these teams just match up in totally different ways. Like Orlando, you add in them being banged up. It's not even close how these teams are going to match up today in terms of how much better of a team Milwaukee is going to be today. I'm projecting Giannis for 32 minutes. I'm projecting Middleton for 34, which is like two minutes lower than I would if I thought these games would stay competitive. So I guess I'm baking that in a little bit, but he still looks fine. And these players still look pretty good today. What are you giving Bledsoe, 30? Yeah, I gave Bledsoe 30, which like all season, all playing games, like you were lucky to get like 25, 26 out of him. But now that it is the playoffs, I gave him up to 30. That's something that we were seeing last year in the playoffs and and really just whenever he's been fully healthy and uh, playing. So I gave Bledsoe 30. It makes him look good. Like this entire team in general, if I look at it, I projected them maybe not even really for a blowout, but just being cautious with the upper range guys. But uh, a lot of teams I'm projecting for like an eight or nine man rotation. I projected them for a full 10 man rotation. You can even get 11 if like Robin Lopez plays like four minutes or something today. So they have a lot of bodies there, which is another thing just for like once you get to the value pieces not being great. But their four main guys, I guess you can say, with Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez are all going to look appealing to me today. I think Lopez looks like one of the better value options. He's just at $4,700. Similar price to what Joe Harris was yesterday when he was a good value. Except now you're getting a center, definitely a stretch center, but a guy who's also going to be closer to the basket. So it's just more stable value in Lopez, I think. Right now, Lopez is probably my favorite play from this team, just factoring in price point. But then the rest of the guys are all uh, pretty strong options right now. I have Giannis for like 62 and a half fantasy points. This is a game where uh, Orlando could really could have really used Jonathan Isaac, I think. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. I, I would actually, in a competitive game like this, I mean, I, I don't think he's like too much of a, a threat to Giannis, but I would like to see at least younger player too, so he needs more experience. I'd like to see how he matched up in a competitive series uh, against Giannis. Yeah, look, you're not gonna you're not gonna stop Giannis or or really even slow him right. down. But you know, if it means that you can pull Wessa Wandu or James Ennis from the starting lineup, that makes things a little bit easier. Uh, it won't be the case though. Yeah, with, with Giannis, 32 minutes is what I have him at too. And yes, you have James Harden on the slate. Yes, you have Damian Lillard. You have LeBron James. There are there are a lot right now. Uh, of top tier guys, this is exactly what you're going to get in the playoff atmosphere, a playoff setting. But as as it stands on DraftKings, Giannis is drawing the most ownership of all of those high priced guys. Actually, five percentage points ahead of James Harden. That's on DraftKings. On FanDuel, it's a little bit different. Giannis is eleven thousand dollars. Harden's eleven five. Lillard's only ten one. You're going to see some discrepancies there. 
Uh, and I, I think at 10-5, though, in a postseason matchup, that's just that's just too cheap for somebody like Giannis. If you get 32 minutes from him, you probably still get what you need. If it turns out to be a competitive game and he plays 35 minutes, 10500 is going to look like the most uh, insane price tag we've seen in a while. Yeah, exactly. And like when you're choosing and the reason why he's picking it up is because of the price tag. Like when you're choosing between him and Harden, Harden with no Russ, and we'll get more into that game. But right now they're like the same player, but that's how Giannis is all the time. A 1.9 guy. He's been over 1.95 fantasy points a minute in the bubble. Granted, he's only played like 150 minutes in the bubble, but you know what you're getting out of him. It just comes down to when you're choosing between those guys up there, they come in at similar ownership. I prefer Giannis slightly, but we'll see if the ownership stays where it is. I'll probably have slightly more Giannis, but nothing major. Those are the two guys that stand out the most on the top end today. But Giannis is just a guy who's going to go out there, and even if he gets you 30 minutes, you know what to expect. And then it's just if this game stays competitive, he can play up to 35 minutes, which is really something you only see in an overtime game or a playoff game out of him. What are your thoughts on Bledsoe? I know neither of us are projecting him for monster minutes here. Again, if it's close, I don't think Budenholzer hesitates to give these guys a little bit of additional run. Maybe Bledsoe gets up to around 32 or so. It's definitely possible. He played 31 minutes uh, in that overtime loss to the Dallas Mavericks and then 30 minutes in that uh, in the, the loss to Toronto two days later. So I, I do think it's possible that he gets up there. He's $5,400 on DraftKings, though. And while Bledsoe is one of those guys that we prefer to target you know, with one of Middleton or Giannis off the floor, 54 on DraftKings, 58 on FanDuel, the, the, the prices are not – they're not insane on him whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they're pretty cheap. He has a 1.55 multiplier on Superdraft as well. Where do you stand on, on on their starting point guard here, knowing that his price is at the low 5K range on DraftKings? Yeah, I gave Bledsoe 30 minutes, and he looks good. He's been really good in the bubble. It's just you get the limited run out of him. He's only played 120 minutes, but he's posted a 30% assist rate, 20% usage. I mean, he's still a good rebounding guard, almost 20% defensive rebounding rate. So I gave him 20 or 30 minutes. He grades out for over 31 fantasy points, which is clearly really good. It's my seventh overall play in the day. But even if you think this game gets a little bit out of hand, he doesn't play that many minutes because we haven't seen that out of him in a long time. Even if he just plays like his standard 25 to 26 minutes, he's still like an acceptable play. He's not going to tank your lineups by any means and he can get you there. But then if he just plays with, I expect him to play 30 today, it starts to look really good. So yeah, all those starters, the main four guys from Milwaukee today, they're all just underpriced. I mean, Middleton's the closest to being appropriately priced and even he looks fine for a guy who's like a 1.2 fantasy point per minute producer. I agree. And I, I think, you know, ownership is going to play a role here, specifically on DraftKings. But uh, you know, right now, Bledsoe's ownership on a four-game slate is not that high. It's really not that crazy. Uh, Middleton's at 27%. Bledsoe's at 24%. Always make sure to check back on these ownership updates. They will change throughout the day for a variety of reasons. Giannis is up at 45 But this game right now is, is going to be popular. You look at the other side of this, and some of the Milwaukee pri- uh, players are priced pretty wildly. Markel Fultz uh, is confirmed starting. Let's start with him. Uh, the, the last game he played, six-point win over New Orleans, it was the last game of the seeding round, Sal. And he played 24 minutes. However, don't mistake that with Marco Fultz playing 24 minutes in, a complete, in the whole game. He actually played 24 minutes in the first three quarters. His second quarter rotation was eight minutes. So was his first, so was his third quarter. So if – it stands to reason that if Steve Clifford 
is going to close the game out with Markel Fultz with him starting today and give him a similar rotation as he saw in the second quarter and really every quarter. He was on pace for 32 minutes. Is he going to play 32 minutes? I can't be assured of that. We haven't seen this situation, particularly in the postseason against the Bucs team. But Markel Fultz was on pace for 32 minutes in a meaningless game here, Sal, and you're now getting him on DraftKings at an actual cheaper price than somebody like Terrence Ross, who we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, and he's really earned his way onto the court this whole entire season. Like, he was starting off the year. He was getting his 20 minutes per game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He was getting his his 20 minutes per game, and then it got up to 24. And then he just started taking over the role of, like, the starting point guard of his team, whether he was coming off the bench and still playing 26 to 28. And now, yeah, I think I have him projected right now for 31 minutes today. As of right now, he's my number one play on the slate, and I assume the ownership's following it. But – there's a lot to like, like on the season, he's threatening Vooch. He's threatening Fournier as the highest usage player on, on the entire team. Uh, when it comes to assist rates, same exact thing. And then you look at what he's done in the bubble and he's just by far and away the number one usage player, 28%, 30% assist rate or 29.4. So he's very active and you're getting him at just such a cheap price tag. He's priced as if he's just still playing 24 or 25 minutes off the bench, but he's about to play 30 with the highest usage rate or close to it on this team uh, at just what, $4,200. So yeah, Fultz right now I projected for 31 minutes and almost 28 fantasy points, so it grades out as the number one play for me right now. Yeah, he kind of has to. Um, illegal formation. Lobby, do you think Fultz is the, the greatest or one of the greatest two-way players of all time? Yeah, <laughs> all somebody time. somebody was on Twitter saying like, hey, at the end of the, or next season we're going to have to have a conversation about Markel Fultz potentially being the best two-way player in the league. <laughs> it's just insane. But do you have – do you have any concerns about Fultz not getting any run with the with the bench unit uh, and having to play, you know, the bulk of his minutes alongside Aaron Gordon, alongside Nikola Vucevic? Is that something that that concerns you at all, or or something that you say is? Well, I'd rather take the minutes because look, I'd much rather take the minutes, but I definitely think you could see um, a, a little bit less production. Point nine four DraftKings points per minute. Uh, when playing alongside them this season in 1,107 minutes. I'm assuming Aaron Gordon's going to play uh, with a 19.7% usage rate and an assist rate coming in at uh, 25.6% for Fultz with both of those two guys on the floor. Yeah, I, right now I have Gordon in as well, and then I think Carter Williams either doubtful or already got ruled out. But, yeah, I think he'll be fine. Um, things can happen. what I saw, yeah. Yeah, things can happen. And like if he starts to creep up, I mean, he's like 40% on projected right now. If it starts to creep up higher, there's other options on the slate. The issue is they're also higher or, or just as highly owned. There's some that we can find even on this exact same team that are a little bit lower. I'm not too concerned with him starting. I think he'll still be fine. I think he's still just going to navigate the offense. Like they're going to play through Vooch to an extent, but he's going to drive. He's going to take his shots where he's been pulling up at the elbow a lot lately. And he's been fine from there in terms of just accuracy in the bubble. So I think he looks good. It, it's just hard to ignore. Like if he was $1,000 more, that's where the ownership starts to leak, where you can go to blood. So we just talk about some other guys, but it's just the price tag of this guy's going to go out there for 30 minutes of pretty productive ball. Even if he has a terrible game, he's in the 0.8 fantasy point per minute range. He's still getting you there with like a 24 fantasy point performance. It was like OG and Anobi yesterday was laboring until the fourth quarter. And then you just look at the end of the day and he's fantastic for you because he's a three K option. Yeah, you're right. I'm not, I'm not particularly worried about it either. And I was just looking at, you you can look at tracking data, on NBA.com and, and stuff like that to see where he's coming in at in terms of, of opportunity. And, you know, in the bubble, Markel Fultz is 
Third on the team in touches, but behind Vooch at 64 per game, Augustine at 58. Wow, they really spread this out. Uh, Fultz. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. 53, Gordon 51. But, you know, it stands to reason that if, if Fultz gets 30 plus minutes here, he's going to be, he, he's probably going to be, dictating the offense or at least initiating the offense. Uh, and really, Sal, the biggest thing, because we don't need, really need to drive this so many further, the biggest thing is Marco Fultz is $4,200. Uh, it's a tough defense he's going up against, no doubt. I expect to see some turnovers and some 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 mishaps but or miscues. But it's 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 a massive pace-up spot for Milwaukee as well. Uh, it's, or Sorry, for Orlando, it's a much higher total than they usually get in these games. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's willing to take three-pointers because if that's the case against Milwaukee, it's going to be much needed. If not, I think he could have trouble getting into those mid-range spots and trying to get to the basket. That's my only concern. But, again, if he was 6,000, I'd be I'd be harping a lot more on the on the, the pitfalls of this matchup. At 4,200, you just don't need to. Yeah, I agree. And it's just the price point. And, like there's there's a pivot option like in another game, but he's higher owned when we get to the Miami game. But also Evan Fournier is on the same team right now, picking up like half the ownership. I prefer Fultz. I prefer the guy who's going to be more, more ball dominant as the point guard and is cheaper. But Fournier is a little bit more expensive, still in the 4K range. He's just struggled in the bubble. That's his thing. Like he's closer to like a 0.9 fantasy point per minute producer. He's been about 0.8 in the bubble. His usage rate probably because of Fultz going up a little bit has dropped to barely cracking 20% right now, but he's a guy who's still going to play probably more minutes than Fultz. Like he'll threaten for 34 minutes in a competitive game, 35 today. And he's also cheap. So just looking for some sort of ownership pivot, because when there's only four games and so many people are going to be just talking about these slates today with big prize pools, there's all the value is going to be sought out, right? We're going to explain it today. So then it comes down to just leveraging it on his same exact team. I still prefer Fultz, but there's a case to be made. If your lineup's just extremely chalky to just, if you have the extra $500 or $700, just slide to Fournier, who's going to be a similar usage player, I'd say 45, 50% of the time. All right. So Michael had some kind things to say to us. Fultz is not getting 30 minutes. You guys are making up false or narratives that have literally never happened. Bunch of clowns. Augustine is the play. It's so obvious. He's not going to get 30 minutes. Okay. A couple of things here. First of all, Augustine and Fultz were actually playing minutes together in the first quarter and it's possible that, or in the first half and it's possible they play minutes together in the second half. Second, he played 24 minutes in the first three quarters. Him and Vooch never came back for the fourth. So if you're, if you're, if your logic here is it never happened, so it will never happen. And I'm just going to do things that have happened before and not try and have any foresight. Good luck to you, fella. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. 
It's a playoff game. He's 4,200. Now, if the question here, Sal, is, and it wasn't a question, it was just a very kind statement. I think he left the super chat as well. Uh, if the question is whether or not DJ Augustine at $3,500 is viable, sure. I mean, I don't want to play him alongside faults, but if, if you wanted to pivot to somebody like Augustine at a dirt cheap price tag, I'm not going to fight with you on that either. He's very cheap uh, and he's going to get decent run off the bench. But if, if you're, he, what was, what did he say? Augustine is coming off the bench so he can initiate the second unit. Well, that's why Fultz was coming off the bench too. So what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. He's coming off the bench so he can initiate the second unit. He's a fucking point guard. So <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, what are your thoughts on DJ Augustine? Yeah. I mean, I think he looks like a fine play too. And you're only going to get better from that. Like right now I haven't projected for like 24 minutes and just under 20 fantasy points. So that looks good for $3,500. And then it's only upside after that. If he does play more, he has experience working in his favor in these types of games. And he has been solid, just not even only on the season, but in the bubble, there's no Michael Carter Williams. So I'm not projecting like a Melvin Frazier or Vic Law to get into the rotation today. So he's going to soak up all that second unit run at point guard. There's chance, like you said, and we've seen it of them playing alongside each other. So I think Augustine's fine. I think he's a guy who doesn't pick up any ownership at all, probably today compared to like uh, a Fultz. He probably picks up, half the ownership somewhere around there. So it's probably an, an okay pivot option. You're just not going to project out great. And that's exactly why the ownership's not going to be there. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, it, price tag is everything. I, I just want to be clear about this. Uh, salary is, is, is the most important thing. If you're getting a starting point guard, even if he plays 28 minutes at 4,200 in a pace up spot, uh, you know, it is, it is literally everything. Uh, so I'm, I'm not, I honestly, I'm not going to entertain it anymore. I'll, I'll, you'll be so mad at me because this show will go way longer than it should. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it, very simply, if you're concerned, I think Kyle and Chad said Fultz will be on the bench if this game is a blowout. Of course. So will Vooch. So will Gordon. Probably so will Ross. Like it, you can't, the problem is you can't project blowouts. Sal. last year, the first game of the, uh, of the quarterfinals, you know what happened? Orlando beat the Toronto Raptors and then lost four straight in blowout fashion to get, you know, knocked out of that series in 4-1. Weird things happen. We see it all the time. I have Milwaukee winning this game handily, but if you're projecting a game to be a blowout, you're going to be wrong more often than not because a game can end. You already said it about Toronto yesterday. A game can end with Milwaukee covering this and winning by 18 or 19, but they go on a huge run with the final six minutes of the game and all of the starters get their, re- their regular minutes anyway. Yeah, like, I mean, here's the exact example. Yesterday's game. So from the Toronto side, Fred Van Bleet played 39 minutes. Kyle Lowry played 38. Um, OJ Anobi plays 34. Siakam was the only one who was impacted. He plays 31 and a half. He misses, what, two, two and a half minutes. And then on the Brooklyn side, the team that's getting blown out, you have Allen playing 34. You have Karis LeVert playing 36. You have Gary Temple playing 35, right? These guys and Joe Harris playing 33 and a half. So if anything, you could say maybe one, Siakam lost like two minutes in that game, but everybody else that started and was meaningful for the game pretty much got their normal run. Right, exactly. What else are you doing with Orlando? I think we've, we've pretty much broken this one down quite a bit. We haven't talked too much about the front court. Uh, if, if this game's competitive, Vooch is probably going to get around 34 minutes, 35 minutes. Clifford isn't likely to run him for a monster run, but I think if it's co- close, he could. He played 39 minutes in a close game against Toronto last year. Clifford was the coach. We don't have a lot to work off of, but it goes to show you that you know he can stay out there for, for a long time if that's the case. But 
Maybe not the greatest matchup for Vooch. He is attempting almost uh, five threes per game this year, which is encouraging against this Milwaukee team that he can stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, but what are you doing outside of the backcourt? Yeah, I mean, I, I think all the all, all the wings in the backcourt look like fine options, even down to Augustine, like we said. But I think that Aaron Gordon's interesting today. Like, he's just going to project out as a decent option, but that's going to lead him to maybe being like sub 20% owned in some of the major contests today. But I think he looks good. And this is a guy who, if he is going to be healthy, I know he's questionable, but just assuming he plays, I've met 35 minutes. But we saw like a little bit before just the stoppage to just sports and the NBA happened. He was playing like 38 minutes a night. And those were just in like just regular season games. And he was going off. And it was like the best stretch of maybe his career. But he has that in him to play these 36, 37 minute games. Again, the game would have to stay close, but he's the type of guy who's not going to be owned. It's similar to guys around him in his price range are going to be more popular, whether it's a Brogdon or some other guys that we'll talk about. And it's very similar to Donovan Mitchell yesterday. He was owned, but he was nowhere near owned as he probably should have been. Game goes to overtime, but even regulation has a good game. So I don't have much interest in Vooch at the price tag. I just think he looks very meh. And at this point on the slate, doesn't look like the greatest of options. But I do think Gordon is going to be a guy who has a lot higher upside than his projection and ownership is going to say. So I'm going to probably try and go out of my way to get some Gordon and be conscious of the fact that it's still like a 12-point spread. Okay. By the way, never thought I'd be defending Markel Fultz on a show. This is a first for me. Look at that. Yeah. What do you What do you make uh, – last one here. What do you make of Terrence Ross? Because I do think this is a – and you might have touched on him a little bit. I was, I was checking out chat. Uh, I do think this is one of those spots where if Terrence Ross heats up, you could start seeing a really solid game from him. Uh, like I've said, Milwaukee will force the three-point shot. No team allowed more three-point attempts than the Bucks this year. Uh, middle of the road in terms of efficiency against them, but no one allowed more three made three-pointers this year than the Milwaukee Bucks either. They play at the fastest pace in the league. Uh, and Terrence Ross is one of those kind of enigmatic players where one game he'll be completely irrelevant. Like against Philly earlier in this restart, he shot 0 for 10, and then he jacked up 17 shots, made six of them, but played 37 minutes against Boston. When he's on, Clifford's going to continue to run him for big minutes, uh, and this could be one where if you can find a player on the Mavs that can inject some instant offense into this team against a powerful Milwaukee Bucks offense, Terrence Ross might end up being that guy. Is he worth taking a look at? Yeah, I think he is just because of the ceiling. Like everything checks out is almost like the market's efficient on him today, where the ownership is. I think where he projects out is deserving of that ownership. And then you look at just what he's done on the season in the bubble. On the season outside of Gary Clark, which is a lot smaller of a sample, he's the leading three-point shooter on this team. He, he shoots the ball 60% from there just in terms of frequency. His accuracy is just right around league average, like 35%. So it's it's exactly a flip of a coin at this point. But in this game, you expect just overall probably more attempts, especially if they start trailing. I mean, you saw it yesterday in games that started getting out of hand. I mean, like the best weapon at that point is the three ball, and the guy who shoots it the most is just going to have more opportunities. So this could be a game where you do get a double-digit attempt from three-point range type of day, and even if he's not shooting at above average and he's just shooting uh, 30% at that point, you're piling up points for a decently priced player. I think the ownership, I think everything is there on it, but he definitely has outside of Gordon, outside of Gooch, probably the highest ceiling on the team. Okay. Anything else on this one? No, I think that's it. Let's go to uh, Indiana, or let's actually stay in Orlando, talk about the Indiana Pacers uh, and the Miami Heat. As it looks now, well, by the way, Miami Heat minus four and a half, uh, 215 and a half total here. Looks like Goran Dragic will be starting this one, Sal. Kendrick Nunn uh, will be coming off the bench. He left the bubble for a couple days uh, for three games. Goran Dragic was introduced into the starting lineup, played quite well. Uh, we'll start with Dragic and, and, and get your take here on how this backcourt breaks down. Without Butler on the floor this year, 
He's got a 28% usage rate, 31% assist rate, 1.14 fantasy points per minute. Uh, that per minute production jumped to 1.34 in the re in the bubble with Butler on, but only 55 minutes. Uh, and with Butler on the floor, 0.94 fantasy points per minute. Usage drops about six percent. Assist rate drops a little bit too. Uh, but it, I, I would I would think that if Dragic is going to start, he can mitigate some of that lack of efficiency uh, and lack of usage with more minutes played. But I can't say that I'm acts. I can't say that I'm super stoked to have him in the in the starting lineup uh, because I don't know how many more minutes he is going to play than normal. Off the bench, he was just really, really impactful and someone that can completely run the second unit as good as anybody. How are you? How are you looking at this Goran Dragic in the starting lineup? Because he's going to be very popular and he's very cheap. Yeah, I think I think he just gets stabilized minutes. Like I, I'm not really seeing 34 type minute upside, especially no, since none's going to be there back. Yeah, I gave him, I gave him 29 minutes right now, which like normally you're expecting like 28 out of him. So I think all that really does is just stabilize the minutes and makes you feel more secure. But yeah, like you said, like overall usage and everything is going to go down for him, especially since you expect Butler, at least I do, Butler and Bam's minutes to probably increase here. So it's just probably most of, or all of his minutes are going to be alongside of Butler and or Bam. So it does get a little bit worrisome when he starts to become like the highest on player on the slate. If you're playing a cash game, like Fultz and, and, and Drogic are probably your start at that point at their price points. So he grades out great for me. He's only behind Fultz in terms of just overall options on this slate today. I'm going to have a lot of him just because it's a point guard starting on a team that's going to be in the 4K range with decent usage. But you have to be aware of the fact that he's going to be like the third option on his team. So I think there's going to be a spot where you can start to leverage some of these things, whether it is a Bledsoe at half the ownership. Like I, if this is going to stay the case and Bledsoe is going to be half his own as Drogic's, there's definitely going to be, at least in my opinion, in GPPs, an edge to move over to Bledsoe at that point. Um, especially if you're just trying to get away from the ownership of both Fultz and Drogic's at this point. So, yeah, I, I like Drogic, but I do want to caution the fact that I don't think the minutes just peak up here. I think you get stable minutes, the same exact minutes, but now less usage. It's just the fact that he's still very cheap that people are going to gravitate towards him. We're on the same page. Now, yeah. with that said, Goran Dragic is way cheaper than he should be on DraftKings. Uh, and I still think you're going to get a solid game from him. He's been remarkably consistent too, right? Like his last th four games, 40, uh, 30 plus DraftKings points in all of them. Uh, and that comes with one game getting limited minutes against OKC. So I, I think, I think Dragic is going to give you pretty reliable numbers. And at that price, I, I really don't mind him. If it was Dragic or Fultz, who would you go with on DraftKings in a vacuum? In a vacuum right now, I'd go with Fultz. Okay. Interesting. What about Jimmy Butler? Uh, sat out a couple of games dealing with a bit of an injury uh, to his foot, but he's good to go, not on the injury report, although DraftKings has him listed as questionable. He wasn't on the injury report. Uh, Jimmy Butler today, $7,600. Is that a price point that appeals to you at all? On FanDuel, he's coming in at $7,800. He's the second highest priced shooting guard, but he's like $3,700 cheaper than Harden. Yeah, I, I like Jimmy Butler today. Um, he grades out as like, a, I think, my eighth overall play in the day. And just $7,600 is a fair price point. But unlike Dragic that we were just talking about, I expect Butler's minutes to go up. I projected him for 37 today. And you can see more than that. And this is probably going to be OKC and Houston. There's some really good games today after just the Orlando game with Milwaukee. Like, is going to be one of the tightest series in the first round. So you're going to see him out there. I'm not shocked to see 40 minutes out of Jimmy Butler and you start getting like hard in usage overall in terms of his minutes played. But at 37 minutes, it looks fantastic. This team's depleted on defense, especially if Butler's going to drive. There's no Sabonis there. There's a Miles Turner who's a great shot blocker, but almost a statue when it comes to 
players driving against him in terms of how often he moves his feet. So I like Jimmy Butler a good amount today. He's going to lead the team in usage. And the biggest thing is just the minutes bump. You get the same price point that he's been at. And I could feel comfortable with probably two to three more minutes on average out of these playoff rotations. All right. The rest of Miami, anybody stand out to you significantly from Bam Adebayo to, you know, Kelly Olynyk was definitely putting up numbers early on. He unsurprisingly came back down to earth. I think we all expected that to be the case. Derek Jones Jr. with that frightening neck injury appears to be fine, but he's still questionable. Uh, you know, that could be 16 to 20 minutes there that are voided from the lineup or if he's not uh, in. I don't know. The, the outside of Butler and Dragic, I'm not particularly stoked about this team. I, I do think one thing to talk about without a bio is who wins the rebounding battle here? Because as a rebounder, he's not great, but Miles Turner is worse. Uh, and you don't have Demonis Sabonis either uh, in the paint around the uh, around the basket to to rack up those rebounds. D- does this is this a spot that benefits Bam Adebayo going up against a, an indie team that really doesn't have much rebounding at all, especially on the defensive glass? Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like Bam's been like twenty one percent rebounding rate on the year, which is it's just like fine. It's a little bit like above average for most centers, but yeah, you're in a good. league where he's not. Yeah, like you're in a league where a lot of centers aren't. Yeah, a lot of lead, like some centers are PJ Tucker, so it's it's not like he's competing with the best of the best. Right. So I think he's fine today for the same reason that there's just more minutes that are going to be going around for him. I think the matchup is okay. You get he's been 30% use or assist percentage in this bubble. So I mean, just kind of sneaky behind guys like Jokic in terms of how good of a passer he is. So yeah, I think Bam's fine. But the guy I really like and not picking up ownership is sort of a value play is Jay Crowder right now. We'll see what happens. Like I'm not expecting Kelly Olynyk to get these same 28, 30 minute games as he did in the play-in games. I think Jay Crowder's a better defender out there. I think he fits what they want to do a little bit more. Uh, we'll see what the starting lineup looks like, but I have Crowder right now for 29 minutes, and he's not picking up the same ownership for a four-game slate right now, projecting under 20% owned. I think that's one of the guys that's going to look a lot better for me, especially if that ownership stays low today. I have him at the 29 minutes. He looks like a solid play. He's my 13th overall play today. Okay. I'm just going to throw it out there one more time before we move to Indiana. Uh, I think this is a sneaky spot for Bam Adebayo. Uh, right. What is his ownership coming in at? It shouldn't be that high. Below 20% on a four-game slate. That That's that's pretty low. There, yeah, just- these Miami guys in general, like Dragic is sucking up all the ownership, but, I mean, even Butler's barely above the 20% number, like, this is a spot similar to Utah. Obviously, Utah goes to overtime, but there was just no ownership in that game or as much as the other games, and it looks like this could be that game, and it's going to be competitive. It is. Uh, Indiana, of the 22 teams in the bubble, had the second-worst rebounding rate uh, of, of any of the 22 teams. You should know who the worst is, obviously the Houston Rockets, but they just kind of don't care. Uh yeah, that, that to me is significant. I think Bam Adebayo could give you a, a, a monster double-double here. Indiana allowing more rebound, more offensive rebounds to opponents than any other team. Why is that important? Easy putback opportunities for Bam Adebayo. Actually, way more offensive rebounds to, to their opponent than any other team. Uh, and the second most defensive rebounds to opponents. God, Houston Rockets allowing six more than them per game. But yeah, the the offensive rebounds not only play from a rebounding perspective, but also should really help Bam Adebayo on the, on the offensive glass around the basket to clean up around it and, and put some, put some easy points in. Uh, I could see this being a really big game for him. We had a question in our Slack chat, premium Slack chat about uh, Andre Iguodala. You want to touch on him? 
Yeah, so right now there's there's minutes to go around, and they, they could – we'll have to see what happens with Derek Jones Jr. Uh, I am right now projecting Derek Jones Jr. out, and I gave Iguodala 15 minutes, so it's just not anywhere I'm going to get to. If you give normal rotation minutes for these Miami – Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Guys, that's where you can start to get Iggy for like 22 minutes of play. But if I'm going to give Butler three more minutes, if I'm going to give Drogic like an extra minute or two, none is now back as well. So that's another rotational piece. Uh, it's just hard to get Iggy up to that spot. If you if you expect them to play the same minutes as the regular season, then yeah, 20 minutes of Iggy looks like fine value at 3,300. But if you don't, then like 14, 15 isn't going to do anything for you. Okay. On the other side of this one, you've got the Indiana Pacers without Demonis Sabonis. That's not good. Uh, like I said, it, it really hurts from an offensive standpoint because he's actually one of the better passing big men in the league. He's a good scorer, fantastic rebounder, much better than much better than Miles Turner. Uh, Miles Turner, you know, he, his price tag is is pretty excessive if you're asking me. And then you've got T.J. Warren, who it, does this plantar fasciitis worry you? Because I, I I'm concerned that even though he's playing, this could be an instance where he does not produce the same way and, and efficiency ends up being an issue uh, if, if he's, if he's hurting. So what are you doing with the Pacers? Yeah, right now I'm projecting him in for just 38 minutes, but that's a real thing. Like this is one of the, I would say just conditions that you have to just deal with pain. Like they can do as much as they can for you, but it is at the end of the day, depending on how, how healed it is at this point, you're going to have to deal with pain. We'll see what happens. So as of right now, I project him in and projecting him in $8,000. Like I'm not giving him his full race from this bubble, but still giving him a little bit of a bump, especially with there being uh, no Sabonis out there and just overall playoff run going to go through him more stabilize his minutes. He just, he still doesn't look great for me. I've been projected for like 39 fantasy points, which is nothing that I'll end up getting to the guys that I like are just the guards here. Like even all three of them, Aaron holiday, nobody wants to play because of what he's done. And I don't want to play him, but he's going to be single digit ownership. If you're just trying to look for, direct pivots off of your Dragics uh, uh, or Fultz just to get some sort of difference in ownership. But the main guys are Brogdon and Oladipo. I'm excited just to watch the game and see Oladipo get full run. They're giving him big minutes. Oladipo might play 36 to 38 minutes today. Same thing for Brogdon. And that's where you start to get really big upside out of these guys, that 6K price tags. Brogdon's my favorite play from this team. Right now, overall, he's my 11th play on the day. But Oladipo's pretty close. He's a top 20 play for me. They're both Oladipo hasn't been a fantasy point for me to producer. He has been like over the last week. So I'm projecting him closer to that, like 0.95 today. Brogdon's been over a 1.1 guy like all season long. One of the best assist players in the league. So both of them are my main plays from this team. But I think Aaron Holiday is at least worth a mention for single-digit ownership for a guy who probably pushes 30 minutes. Sal, did you know that we're giving away one of the craziest things? That, it's not a giveaway, but it's basically a giveaway. Just, just listen to this, right? You get to meet Aaron Holiday? Oh, what's up? You get to meet Aaron Holiday? 
Yeah, that's that's it. Because would you would you require payment if that was the case? To meet Aaron Holiday? Yeah. Would you require they pay you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I thought that's I thought that's what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to do that. Like they would have to pay for the flight and like <laughs> set up some nice set up some nice shows or something to go to afterwards. <laughs> we're just kidding, Aaron. Uh, you're far more accomplished than we are. So the NBA playoffs are here. You can get an awesome O plus weekly pass, right? Weekly awesome O plus means you're getting everything from the ownership to the projections, the the boomer bust tool, uh, lineup builder, all of our premium articles for eight twenty four, right? Eight dollars and twenty four cents. You get it eight twenty four because well, you don't get it yet. The promo code is Mamba, M A M B A. Mamba is the promo code when you use it at checkout. It's only valid through calling it Mamba Day 824. So you got about a week to get this in. Uh, normally, the weekly pass is like, I think, $30, $29.99. Uh, or no, you want know it's 50% off everything. So you do the math. But anyway, it's as good as it gets, man. I always suggest doing the monthly because I think it's the best bang for your buck. But in this case, uh, NBA weekly pass is sorry the all access weekly i think is 30 but the 824 use the promo code mamba at checkout you've got till 824 it's 50% off everything all of the premium nba dfs tools and content including player projections ownership projections boom bust tool and everything else mamba at checkout good till 824 all right so so let's close this game out i think we hit on most of it by the way, I think Miami minus four, or maybe it's moved to minus four and a half, is, is a pretty intriguing one as well. Uh, I have some interest there. Close this one out. Anything else on Indiana that, that resonates with you? Not really. I mean, I'm not really getting much interest in Turner today. I think there's just other positions, especially if you even want to get lower on guys to go to for your center spot, or even if you want to use it in the utility. That's pretty much it. It's mainly the guards here. Even if Warren plays, I'm not that interested. If Warren's out, that's when you start to get like, more Justin Holiday, more Doug McDermott as maybe value options. I think they're going to run it to give some sort of minutes to either Goga or Jakar Sampson, and that's just brutal for like a playoff rotation at this point. But yeah, there's nothing else there. They're going to play big minutes from Brogdon Turner and Warren and Oladipo. It's mainly Brogdon and Oladipo in that order for me. All right. Two down, two to go. OKC, Houston. To make it happen, Sal. Uh, I was I was a little bit surprised to see that OKC in some spots had opened it uh, three point favorites here. Schroeder's back after the the birth of his second child. The, the the team is pretty much there. I, I do find I I am curious to see what what OKC looks like today against just a flame throwing from beyond the arc Houston team. This line has moved to one and a half now. So it's, it opened, I saw a three in some places, two and a half. It's, it's at one and a half now, 224 and a half total. Uh, as you know, Sal, the big news here, Russell Westbrook is sidelined with that injury to his quad. Uh, it's huge news, no doubt. But James Harden is a 43% usage guy with Westbrook off the floor, 48% assist rate guy, like 1.88 fantasy points per minute. If you take Clint Capella off, it's up around two fantasy points per minute uh, with both of them off this season. So let's just start with James Harden. You're not going to get him at a discount anywhere, nor should you. He's 11-7 on DraftKings. Uh, he's 11-5 on FanDuel. And he has a 1x multiplier on SuperDraft, meaning which whatever he scores is exactly what you get. Uh, the only two players with a 1x multiplier, only three with a 1x multiplier today 
are Lillard, Harden, and Giannis and Dedekumbo. Yeah, I, I think he looks fantastic. And that, that's the thing. It's between him and Giannis, and they're both picking up ownership. Um, I slightly prefer Giannis right now, but it's it's neck and neck. Gian, like Giannis is number five overall for me today, just plays point per dollar and Harden's six. So Harden's like a rare player that on Super Jeff, when there's a 1x multiplier, I usually just don't even like those guys. They don't project out great. But he's my number one play on Super Jeff because he's a projected for like damn near 70 points today. You're going to project for like – what you're getting today, usage-wise and just fantasy-wise, is pretty much Giannis. Not the same style of play, but do you want to produce. explain? Sorry, do you want to explain real quick how how the super draft price uh, salaries and multipliers work for anyone that hasn't yeah. done it yet? Yeah, so pretty much you get you get a multiplier format, no salary. So what happens is really good players like Harden that you expect to do well, they'll have a one x multiplier, which means they don't get any bonus points. Whatever they score, they get times one. But then you're going to get guys today such as like going down the board, like Jimmy Butler is a 1.4 X multiplier. That means he gets 40% more points. So normally compared to, to Harden, he's not going to look great, but it makes him in the similar realm today to Harden because of that. So it really just comes down to projections, ownership still, but you don't have to worry about like salary caps. You can play anybody. You can play all the one X guys, but there's normally going to be benefits and just really finding value at that point based on their multiplier. So usually these guys who get like one X aren't great options because if they're projecting for like 52 fantasy points, it won't be great, but Harden's just projecting for like close to 70. So he looks fantastic. That's so insane. Yeah. At one X that, that you're getting that much out of him. Usually, you know, when you got a guy like Dragic at 1.6, uh, if yeah. he goes for, for 35, it, it, but yeah, it's 70. It's really an insane number, by the way, look, it's a very cool format. Sal just did a good job of explaining it. If you want to check it out, use the promo code awesome. 10, when you sign up a W E S E M O 10, they'll inject $10 in super cash straight into your account. With a deposit of ten dollars or more, they'll put twenty dollars into your account. With a deposit of a hundred dollars or more, uh, it's it's as good as cash to be used on the site to win, uh, to play and win with real money. So uh, check it out, superdraft.io, or download it in the App Store. Uh, after that breakdown, you have a pretty good idea of how this works. Awesome O ten A W E S C M O one zero all one word. Get ten or twenty dollars in free super cash to get you started off on the right foot. All right, so. It's nuts that he's your number one guy over there. There's no doubt about that, but it makes sense. What about on DraftKings and FanDuel, specifically DraftKings, where you're paying almost 12000 for Harden? Yeah, DraftKings, he ranks out sixth right now. I would slightly prefer Giannis. Uh, Projection-wise, he's my highest projected player. I'd slightly prefer Giannis just because of the price discount. And then if you start talking about like ownership discounts, that's where you can start to get to some of the Lakers guys. But at some point, you just need pure points upside. Like if he goes out there and actually scores – 72 fantasy points or 70 fantasy points tonight, it's going to be pretty hard for him not to be in winning lineups unless somebody else on that top end, like Giannis or AD or LeBron, is going for like a 65-plus point type of a day. So I think he looks really good. And a lot of lineup combinations, it's just going to be difficult to get to him because he's going to be popular. You have to fit in some of those value guards that we've already talked about, and you start becoming a very similar build to a lot of other teams. It's just a matter of getting different elsewhere. I think he looks fantastic. You're getting like a 50% assist percentage, 45% usage out of him. You rarely ever see that in the NBA. It's like LeBron when he has nobody else around him and James Harden when he doesn't have Russell Westbrook on the court. So it looks fantastic. There's really nothing to knock other than if you really want to run from ownership, which I'm not looking to do all that much. I, look, there's 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 not, not many reasons you could use to get away from Harden today. Who do you think wins this game? Yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting. They set up really good. I'm going to probably go with Houston. I think they win the series, but it's going to be close, even without Westbrook. It's just the way that they set each other, they set up, it's going to have to probably, it's going to sound weird, but I think a lot of this is going to come down to SGA, but also Dennis Shooter, because they're going to force them to get more lineups with those three guards on the court a lot. 
like Steven Adams, I even document it's off of him because I just can't see how he stays out there if this normally becomes a track meet. I gave him 27 minutes today, uh, even in a playoff game. So if that's the case and they can control that type of tempo, it comes down to like how good Dennis Schroeder can be or how good SGA can be in the series. And I'll just take the odds that the team that knows how to play in that type of format in Houston wins it, but also in this game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Houston right now, the plus they're, they're plus one and a half minus one ten, or you just bet the money line uh, at even money. I I'd be okay with just taking the money line there at, at, at even money uh, because I, I think this is a game they can win, but it's going to be close. There's no doubt uh, that that three guard setup that, that OKC has with, with SGA, Schroeder, and, and Chris Paul is going to make things difficult. But I do wonder, how does Steven Adams fare in a spot like this? Now, there's so many people that are so quick to judge rotations, right? Whether it's Billy Donovan, whether it's Quinn Snyder with uh, Rudy Gobert. I think you know where I'm going with this, too. Uh, whether it's these coaches that, with, with big centers. And their immediate assumption is, dude, they won't last 15 minutes. Well, not always how it works. Teams aren't just going to completely dismantle the way they run a rotation to, to try and match what Houston does because you're going to have advantages too. You might out-rebound the hell out of them if they're missing shots. You having a big center might make a, make, make, make a favorable difference for you. It really all depends on the flow of the game, Sal. So I, don't th- I, I think it's a mistake to always just go in assuming that because – a team has a, a big center that might not be the most mobile or agile guy that he's going to be done in two minutes. And, and there's no reason. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not rostering Steven Adams, but I'm saying just a general take on, on how these games work. Coaches aren't just going to completely tear apart the way they run their run businesses you know, or run their business because Houston shoots a lot of threes and runs PJ Tucker at the five. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. Like that's their whole entire just plan. Is Houston doesn't care if they get offensive boards because their whole philosophy is get to the free throw line with Harden, which is just a ridiculous percentage of the time he does that, or whoever really, and then also just chuck a bunch of three pointers and have enough made that you don't even have to have offensive rebounding. So that's what it'll come down to. Like Steve Adams will stay on the court if Houston isn't shooting a good percentage from three pointers. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Exactly right. If they're getting yeah. bombarded with made threes, Adams coming off the floor. If they're missing threes and Adams is soaking up every single rebound and getting a ton of offensive board on OKC misses, you're going to want him on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, Westbrook, when he was healthy, started actually to take less three-point attempts and just kind of know his role in the team a little bit more. But if he was if he was healthier, I would feel a little bit more comfortable in the overall like percentage not being as up. So it comes down to, like, you know Harden's going to do his thing more times than not. I don't want to bet against Harden not shooting well from three. But it comes down to what do you think about Eric Gordon today? What do you think? That should kind of correlate. Like, if you feel good at in Eric Gordon and playing him, you feel good about the looks he's going to get or, like, a Ben McLemore or, or a uh, Daniel House. If you feel good and you want to play those players at low ownership or whatever it is, you probably shouldn't be playing Steve Adams because if they're doing well, there's a really good chance Adams is losing like four to six minutes today. So, yeah, if you just think that they don't shoot well, then Adams is going to get his 30 minutes run. I have him at 27. It's kind of splitting the difference on it. So you get to some of him, but not really a lot. And at that point, he doesn't become a fantastic play, but the ownership's going to reflect that. Right. Do you have, where, where else from this game on either side are, are you looking at right now? From Houston or OKC, we spent a lot of time on, on, on Harden, and, and you talked about some of these peripheral players for, for Houston. You know, Austin Rivers had that, uh, and you talked about Rivers too, but Austin Rivers had that huge career-high 41-point, 60-draft-king point game against Sacramento. They're a, they're a strange team in that one day it might be Covington that knocks down seven threes or, or Austin Rivers – 
in that Austin Rivers game, Ben McElmore also had like 26 points. Uh, they're, they're, they're strange in that they're unpredictable outside of James Harden when Russell Westbrook's off the floor. Yeah, that's the thing. Like like Robert Covington, he's picking up ownership. That's where I'd start to just try to pivot to guys. Even like an Aaron Gordon was like the point earlier that like half the ownership. Like Covington looks fine, but I don't really feel great about a ceiling out of Covington. I think you know what you kind of get out of him. And if ownership's going to be there, I don't know how much upside he possesses. With Eric Gordon back, that's a spot that probably doesn't carry much ownership. He's just priced up for it, 5,500. But I have him at 28 minutes. He could play more if he's more healthy than they were letting on during the playing games with his 20 to 25 minute limit. Uh, but that's a spot that you can take risks on at just really low ownership. I probably don't go there, though. It's it's pretty much Harden and then some Covington because on the opposite side of this game, at least right now early on, all the OKC guys, it's like their ownership is either balanced or it's just not going there. And I like all of them, all the guards that is, like Chris Paul, SGA, and even Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder's picking up single-digit ownership right now. So when that's going to be happening at a fair price point of like $6,100, I think, for 30, 32 minutes out of Dennis Shooter, there's a good chance he plays elevated minutes. If they do just try and compete with Houston, this would be the best matchup to do that in and just go smaller with a three-guard rotation. So I like Shooter a lot. He might be the guy compared to ownership that I have the most of the difference of compared to that ownership number if he's going to stay like 5 to 8% owned. And then I gave more minutes to Chris Paul and SGA for playoffs. Chris Paul, 35 SGA 38 and able to like good options. My favorite play would be shooter right now, factoring in the ownership, but then just pure fantasy points upside and cash game type stuff. It, it's going to be Chris fall. I gave him 35. It projects out for about 43 fantasy points. Is there anyone in, in this specific game for the OKC thunder that you think can, uh, that you think can benefit from, from the rebounding advantage that they're going to have against Houston? I, I know a lot of times it doesn't make a difference. You and I both kind of broke it down. Uh, there are going to be many times where Houston's just hitting their shots. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, and, and you're forced, Billy Donovan's forced to make some, some difficult decisions. Uh, but is there anybody here that, that stands out? Because to my knowledge, Sal, and I know this for a fact, actually, Steven Adams is really the only good rebounder on this team. Darius Baisley is second in rebound chances per game with 9.3 since the restart. Steven Adams at 12.6. Then you've got guys like Nerlens Noel, uh, Hamadou Diallo, whose minutes are, are – all of these guys' minutes are going to be limited. Uh, Chris Paul's really the next guy outside of, you know, your, your, your routine starter in Steven Adams. They just don't have the rebounding. That might hurt yeah, exactly. them today. Exactly. Outside of Adams, like, it's honestly the guards. It's SGA and Chris Paul who, like, for their position are very good rebounders. But like on the grand scheme of things, it's not going to result in like 10 rebound, like 10 rebounds in the game. It'll be like a, a four rebound type of a game for them. So I would say those types of guards, they're never going to really be down there. It's going to have to be long rebounds. So which there will be a good amount of just so many three pointer shots today from Houston, you expect. So probably Chris Paul and then SGA outside of Steven Adams, which makes me like them even more. It's mainly the ownership on those guys, like relative to the other types of teams in this range or even the value. And they're not that far off from it in the 6K range, some of them. Uh, they are just not owned, especially Dennis Shooter. And I think right now he looks like the best leverage player. Like that's a guy who can go and play 32 minutes and put up 40 fantasy points and nobody's shot. All right. Where else are we going in this game? If nowhere, we can push this one forward and close it out with Portland and Lakers. Yeah, I think nowhere. The guards from OKC, everybody knows the Harden side of it looks good. If you're looking for like a sneakier play on the Houston side, it's not going to be Covington because he has ownership. It's honestly probably Eric Gordon, who if he's fully healthy, gets the 30 or 32 minutes of play. And then it just comes down to if he's knocking down his shots or not. All right. So we've got Portland and the Lakers. Before we do, hey, there we got, uh, God, 1,400 people watching. That's awesome. Glad to have all of you guys with us this morning. Before we even hit 11 a.m. Eastern time, 
Hit that thumbs up. It is greatly appreciated. See if we can get this up above 300, 1400 watching, 214 likes. We could do better than that. It's the simplest and easiest way to help support us here. And we appreciate uh, all your patronage. Is that a word? Patronage? You have a patron, Yeah, I think right? so. I think that's, I think that's, uh, I think patronage is, or whatever it is, I think that's what they used back in the day for pretty much like anybody who would go to like a theater show or anything. It would consider oh, okay. them their patron. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Appreciate your patronage. Uh, Portland and the LA Lakers. Here we go. Uh, so Zach Collins is out. Nasir Little is out for uh, dehydration, which that was a newer one to me, right? You ever yeah, you hear about like, that? He's going on a week now being dehydrated. I know. I know. I think we are they are they playing in Death Valley? This is a very strange, very strange situation, but uh, shouldn't affect the the rotation all that much. But I digress. Sal, Hassan Whiteside and Nurkic, I was so shocked by this, were actually playing regular season minutes together. I see you shaking your head. It was very surprising. But Terry Stotts, I think, is a good coach. I think he's a pretty reasonable gentleman. Now, I know that they do not have Trevor Ariza, who they could really use the way their defense has looked. No doubt about it. Never even entered the bubble. I see some speculation that Whiteside and Nurkic start alongside each other. I would really be surprised by that. Tell me I'm wrong if you think I'm wrong, but that would be shocking to me to have two actual fives playing alongside each other, especially knowing that Anthony Davis is far more agile than he looks. Yeah, I, I can't see them doing it. Like, if it happens, then I'll just alter projections and, and make up for it. But, like, right now I have Whiteside just backup minutes, 16 minutes. I think in, in the last game, the playing game, I think they – it wasn't an oop, but it was just an assist to each other. Uh just to Whiteside. But they can't do it. Whiteside's been so bad, not just all year, but, I mean, in this bubble, really bad in terms of just taking the worst shot and then just defensively. They're, they don't match up well here. Like, it was, a, it was a really good story, but I think they win maybe one game – it's just a really tough spot when you don't have any of your best defenders out there. And now you're playing their defense is really bad. So it's really, yeah. and, their, and their defensive rebounding in spots against bigger front courts has really struggled. It's been all the, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but that what you've seen is Damian Lillard is going off for monster 50, 60 point games and they're still winning by three points. Yeah. They're, they're pretty much winning in track meets against other teams that aren't playing that great of defense either. Now you get a team that's going to play better defense and you get a team that just knows, especially just LeBron and AD alone, they just know how to pick apart those weak types of defenses and really just make the most of it. So it's tough. Like Wendell Gabriel, I don't think they want to throw him out there. I'm giving him 16 minutes today because they just don't have bodies. So at that point, it becomes really rough for them. I can't see them doing a white side in Nurchich starting front court. Um, if you get it for like five to six to 10 minutes in this game, even that would surprise me, like double digit minutes. But there's going to be a point where they have to start experimenting in this series. I don't think they do it right away. But once you go down a game, you go down two games, that's when you can start experimenting and just see if something can work. But, yeah, you have Anthony Davis, who's one of the most versatile. I mean, we can call him four. We can call him a five, whatever it is. That's going to be down there. It's going to be no chance for Whiteside or Nurchich if you're going to run that type of a court, uh, front court out there. So I don't think he starts. I think it's going to be some sort of spot starts like a, uh, a Gabriel. But even then, just expect like a lot of pieces to rotate in and expect the starters to just play huge minutes so they don't have to rely on their bunch that much. Yeah, it's got to be Gabriel. Uh, someone in chat said that Gabriel is confirmed starting. Yeah, I think he's right. I think uh, who said that, William? Uh, let me give him credit here. William, yeah, said that uh, it's confirmed Gabriel, and I, I think he's right here. So, uh, Winion Gabriel. So, 
I feel like people are probably going to try and go here for value because the I've seen people saying value is lacking, which I actually don't think it is. Uh, I think unowned value might be lacking, but not value itself. The, the problem in an instance like this, Sal, is now you've got somebody in Gabriel who, unless he somehow falls face first into a bunch of peripherals, even if he plays 22 minutes, he's competing in the starting lineup for touches with Lillard, McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic. There is just simply no way he touches the basketball unless they're whipping it around the perimeter to get a wide open Lillard or McCollum. Yeah, or exactly. Even, and, or even and, Anthony. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think that you get sort of a spot start out of him, and then they're just going to rotate in whoever they can at that point. They, and it's all going to be bad. It's going to be Gabriel, who's inexperienced, and he looked decent in the last game, but decent based on our expectations of bad. And then, like, Mario Hazonia will be out there for his 18 to 20 minutes. And he's been very similar to Whiteside, taking really poor shots, uh, hurting his team, if anything, on the offensive side. And then on defense, he's always a liability. So it's just tough for them overall in the series. If you're trying to find value at that point, you could take stabs on a guy like Gabriel. But, I mean, I haven't projected for like 10 points, so it doesn't look that great. No, not at all. At, like, not even a little bit. What What about the rest of Portland, though? Damian Lillard's price tag, he's weighing in at 11-4 on DraftKings, second most expensive player on the slate. Matter of fact, he's $900 more expensive than Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, he's 10100 on uh, FanDuel, and as we pointed out earlier, 1x multiplier on Superdraft. Yeah, he's going to have to do everything today, and it's the price point that makes him not appealing. It's going to result in really low ownership, so I think there's some notion in GPPs if everything else, you're playing all the value that's chalky, and you wanted to pivot from like Harden to Dame seems ridiculous because it's like a 15-point difference projection for me, uh, but if you wanted to pivot from like a Giannis, if he's the second guy in to a Lillard and just hope that the game blows out, whatever it is at that point, a lot of things have to go right for you. So all these guys are just priced where they should be. Like DraftKings came in and said, these guys have been playing for the playoffs for a while at this point. We kind of know what their rotations look like and we know what that results in. So like 40 minutes of McCollum and Lillard and close to like 36 for Trent and Anthony, their starters are going to get huge run, but they're all priced for it. I, I think that Mello is like the most appropriately priced in terms of maybe there's some value there. At 5,800, I gave him 36 minutes and it just looks like, man, it looks okay at that point. It can maybe be some of your pivots off of like a Robert Covington if you're looking for a lower owned guy and trying to search for hunt for a ceiling. But it, it's Lillard at low ownership. It's mellow for just low ownership as well. But most of these guys, all of them, none of them look appealing. Like none of them make a player pool if I was to just uh, run this without limiting or, or changing any of my exposure. No, I, I'm, I'm not particularly enthusiastic about anything here. You know, having Avery Bradley out of the bubble as somebody that is a good on-ball defender alongside like a Danny Green might open things up a little bit, but it's a tough spot here. And Danny Green is a very, very aggressively good defender. And I, I, do I think these games could be fun? Yes, but to your point earlier – Portland's going to have a very difficult time here. I, I don't know how they defend the paint as much of a, a Yusuf Nurkic fan as I am. Uh, and, and I just don't know if they can slow things down enough defensively to stay competitive. Does Damian Lillard, you, you, you mostly just broke it down, but let's just explore this a little bit more with one final question. Does Damian Lillard have what it takes to go off for a 50, 55 point game here like we've seen or do we think the Lakers are going to be able to bottle him up? It's a tough question, I know, because he's really one of the best scorers in the world. 
No, I definitely think they can. Uh, it, the Lakers are good at getting around screens, but I definitely think that he can do that. And that's where it comes down to if you're just trying to play the ownership game. If he comes in at 10%, do you think he does that like 10% of the time? Because then there's not Absolutely. much value in it. I think, yeah, I think like right now where Lillard's priced and where his ownership is, it's just a spot where I probably pass on it because you can get creative with the other four expensive guys that some of them, especially the Lakers guys, really aren't picking up major ownership. So at that point, if he was like two or 3% on it's different, he can definitely pop off for a good game more than that. But I think he's kind of priced in when you factor in ownership appropriate at this point. So I don't expect to get much of Portland, maybe some mellow, maybe some white side if you really want to expect any sort of creativity today, but I'm not expecting it. Danny Green, $3,200, actually garnering quite a bit of ownership. I I absolutely hate rostering players like Danny Green, especially when they're above 20% ownership. Uh, unless Danny Green knocks down five three-pointers, he's useless. And even when he does knock down th- five three-pointers, he's pretty useless as well. And, and, and I say that with all due respect to Danny Green as a player because he helps this Lakers team when he's on the floor. He's just not a good fantasy uh, contributor. Uh, he, he does not rack up peripheral stats. He gets virtually no touches. Maybe he'll grab a steal or two per game. Uh, but he is out there specifically to lock down the perimeter, to play defense, on-ball defense against guys like Lillard and McCollum. Do I think he gets minutes as a result, especially with Bradley out? Yes. But, man, Danny Green is just never someone. And cue the 50 fantasy point game tonight because I'm saying this, Sal. But Danny Green is just almost never somebody that can give you even, you know, 25 fantasy points. So I know he's cheap, but you have a pretty good inclination of what you're going to get from Danny Green every day as far as fantasy production goes. Yeah, I agree. Like he grades out just value-wise as the fourth best place. So that's why, for me at least, that's why you're seeing ownership be where it is. But it's terrifying. And his number one priority is going to be against probably McCollum, but whoever they put him on between McCollum and the Damian Lillard at times. That's just where he is. He's a defender. He's one of the best steals guys still in the league at this point. And then what you're going to get from him on the offensive side is what you said. Like he's a, what, 12, barely over 10% usage rate type of a player. Not going to factor into assists. He'll rebound more than I think people expect, but nothing major there. It's just a guy who does defensive fundamentals really well and plays good defense. The thing that is upside-wise for him is that I think there's a chance that they try and get some of these guys going hot, at least if you're trying to build a narrative into it a little bit. So like LeBron's just drives and dishes. A lot of the times you're going to go to the Deion Waiters, the Danny Greens, the KCPs. It's just hard to say, is it going to be Danny Green eight times today? And is he going to make four or five of them? So I'm going to fully fade it if he really is going to come in at like, what is it, like 30% owned right now. I know how cheap he is and it lets you. I was just going to say 20% on DraftKings, I believe. 20%? Okay, yeah. So that's that's almost like borderline. Yeah. Yeah, when you're doing that, you're getting him so cheap that you can get to Harden and then another expensive guy at that point and maybe get a little bit different elsewhere. But when everybody is going to Danny Green at that point or 20, 25% of the field, and if it rises, it's just going to be a fade for me. It's not like the wing value we had yesterday where Joe Harris has usage. He's a guy who picks up not only the defensive stats, rebounds, but he actually has usage on him and you feel secure about those shots. He was like the second best player on the team yesterday, right up there with Jared Allen. Uh, guys like Royce, this is like a Royce O'Neal play from yesterday. It didn't work out because of foul trouble, but even then Danny Green doesn't contribute in all the boxes like Royce O'Neal does. So if the ownership's there like it is right now, I'm probably going to pivot away, especially talking to the people who play like one to five to 10 lineups. If you're playing 150, yeah, get whatever you want of Danny Green. One to five to 10, I think your leverage is actually fading like a 25% on Danny Green. I agree. LeBron, Anthony Davis, rest of this Lakers squad, and then we'll cap this one off. Yeah, so I think on this side of it, it's it's the studs for the most part. I, I prefer – so Davis on Super Draft, he gets, I think, 5% extra points on LeBron. So I like that. Davis looks really good on Super Draft. 
But then just on DraftKings, I'm slightly going to Davis more. Both of these guys aren't getting ownership. I don't really want to play both of them in a lineup together, but I think Davis's matchup is just phenomenal today. Like no matter who they throw at him. And if they're going to give 20 minutes to Whiteside, if they want to give him more minutes today, it gets even better for Anthony Davis. He's probably, when you factor in like these guys who are priced up, factoring in ownership, he might be the best play overall. Like you're going to get a ton of ownership to Harden, a ton to Giannis right now. And then LeBron and AD are kind of just in that middle range. I prefer AD right now. It's close. AD's like, I have him like ninth overall and I have LeBron like 14th overall. So it's pretty close, but I'll prefer AD at that point and bigger minutes. LeBron can push for 40 minutes at ease today. If the game stays competitive, I gave him 38. I gave AD 37. We've seen them both play in regular season competitive games, close to 40 minutes. And now it's a playoffs game. So it's mainly them. And then you get just the leaky wing value of Danny Green. Do you think Deion Waiters or Caruso picks up the extra run for Rondo still not being back? Um, I'm not really liking anything else. Kuzma's priced up to 6,400. Even at 32 minutes, I don't get any of him. Don't expect the centers to do much here. So Davis, LeBron in that order, and the rest of the team, I could pretty much leave it. KCP might be the pivot to a Danny Green, which sounds disgusting, but they're a very similar player at very similar price points, and the ownership isn't similar. All right, Sal, that'll do it. Four up, four down. Before we head out, let's do this. We'll go through each game very quickly. Yeah, just your answer and my answer. Whether you are, if we're talking against the spread, uh, who we think has this for each one, Milwaukee and Orlando. Let me make sure we've got them updated because that's pretty important. Uh, see if we've got all updated spreads here. Milwaukee and Orlando, last I looked, was 12 and a half. It is currently 13, Sal. So, Bucks laying 13 points here in Orlando. Do they cover or are we taking the points th- plus 13 with Orlando? Yeah, right now I'll probably take the plus thirteen with Orlando. Okay, I'm looking. Or I'm looking Milwaukee. Uh, I'm looking to lay the points with Milwaukee. I, I think this turns into one of those games where they stay, they hang around for a little bit, and then just get the shit kicked out of them in the fourth quarter. Indy and Miami. Miami minus four and a half here. Yeah, I'm going to take Miami there. Um, just closing to Orlando. I'm, I'm hoping for a backdoor cover on Orlando. That's probably the biggest piece of it, and then. Miami versus Indy. I'm going to take the Miami side of it. You just have a full strength team in Miami um, at this point, and you have Indy just dealing with so many issues. And this is going to be a fun series. Like, I thought the spread might be a little bit closer here, but I'll still take and lay the points with Miami, four and a half uh, points at that point. I'll take Miami. Yep. We're on the same page there. Uh, I think they kill them on the boards. Also, Bam Adebayo, if his, his rebound prop in some spots is, is nine and a half or 10. I still don't mind the over on that. Uh, I think this is a spot where he can really be destructive on the glass. OKC laying one and a half against Houston. I'm actually going Houston here. I'm going to take the money line, plus 100, even money. Uh, I figure why not. But, yeah, plus one and a half, minus 110 is out there as well. So what are you doing with Houston and OKC? Yeah, this is an interesting one because the line, it's the only game that the line hasn't moved at all since it opened. So people are just assuming that it's pretty efficient unless we're going to get some bets, bigger wages in like the next couple hours. But I'm going to take the points too. I, I think it is pretty much a pick em, So if you're getting some sort of value on one side of it, it comes down to, like we were talking about earlier, what you get out of the three-point percentage and just those role players like a house and really like an Eric Gordon. For Houston, if Eric Gordon's on, I'm going to take them to just win the series, but also this game. And then on the opposite side of that, it, came, it comes back to what can SGA and then a shooter match you with. I'll take just a value in the line that you get there. Money line makes sense if it's just a one-point spread. So I like the plus one and a half for Houston. What about Portland getting six and a half points uh, against the Lakers? Man, it feels like Lakers cover this, but 
I don't know. Having a tough time because betting against Damian Lillard to keep games competitive is really, really difficult, and I hate doing it. Yeah, and I'm going to take the Lakers here. Even if you even if you told me, like, Dame goes for his 45 to 50 points or whatever he does in 42 minutes of play today, it's just so much down low at this point. You can have Wendell Gabriel and Hassan Whiteside trying to piece together 35 minutes or so against Anthony Davis. Like, that alone is going to be just – the biggest weakness, of course, for this entire series, let alone this game. And that's not even factoring into what LeBron James can do when he dishes down against those guys, and then you get kickouts. If the kickouts are working at all for this Lakers team, KCP, Danny Green, and Caruso, and they're hitting those shots, it's going to be 4-0 very quickly in this series. Um, so then Portland closing out is going to be a, a big piece of the series, but just their depth at this point in their defense is I, I can't be wagering on that and feeling comfortable in it. So if I had to pick a side, I'd go Lakers 6.5. Kyle says I'll take the points with the Red Hot Blazers. Look, I, I get where you're coming from, but the only thing, Sal, is they're kind of not red hot. Like, right, just barely beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Didn't that game go to that game go to overtime? No, it came down to. Um, I think it came down to the wire. Okay, but they they just barely beat the Grizzlies. Um, they beat a Brooklyn Nets team that was playing for nothing. Beat them right. by one point on a missed Karis Levert shot. So you know, just just throwing it out there that. they're winning games by one or two or three points. I'm not taking anything away from them. They've been great. But if you've watched the Portland Trailblazers, and we both just said this, Sal, they are running their – Stotts is running his starters for 40-plus minutes every night. They're barely beating teams, and it's all on the back of Damian Lillard. So when you run into a team like the Lakers that can serve as a buzzsaw, it's a lot different than going up against a Brooklyn team that's already locked into their seat in the Eastern Conference. Right. They're beating teams at the bottom of the West for the most part that were in the bubble to get into the playoffs. And some teams that weren't even trying to get into the playoffs, putting up like 130 point a night performances, playing overtime games and extra minutes. Like, first of all, there's like a narrative to say that they're just tired at this point. Lakers have been resting for the most part for like a week now. And it's a difference when you're whatever you think, if they're the best team or not, the Lakers just being a number one seed. It's a different caliber of a team. And at the end of the day, you're going to just give them – it opened up five and a half, like that many point difference. I think a lot of it is narrative driven. It actually moved in the Lakers' direction. I assume that's just because of the money that got put down on it, not the actual bets being placed. But I think it's just the Lakers have decided the way that they match up, and especially down low, it's not even going to be close. All right. Well, we ran it late. I Listen, this is totally my fault. Sorry to the guys on the MLB strategy show. We had 1,400-plus watching, wanted to get all this wow. in. Hit that thumbs up on your way out. Sal Vetri, I'm Dave Lockwood. We'll see you back here tomorrow on the Strategy Show. Stick around. MLB Strategy Show coming up next and then NBA Live before lock a little bit later in the afternoon. See you soon.